Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. My name is Blake Lambert Hack, and this season I will be covering deaths and hauntings in Salem, Massachusetts, with a different special guest every week. Tonight I am joined by Chicago's Greek pop star, Tommy Bravos. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining me. I ask everybody at the beginning of every episode, how would you describe a ghost? You personally. Ooh. For me, a ghost is a lingering spirit that has unfinished business amongst the living. Um, So not necessarily connected to haunting. It could be like relaying a message or, you know, keeping a relationship alive. Okay. Um, So that's what I think. I don't necessarily think of them as scary. It's just like a... Fair, yeah. A spirit that... Has something to say. They yeah. didn't get the chance to say it. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fair. You know, it's such a broad question. That's mm-hmm. why I like to get everybody's individual take on it. Yeah. Does that mean you believe in ghosts? Oh, 100%. Okay. <laughs> um, I actually have had a few experiences with ghosts. Oh, perfect. Mostly growing up. Um, so I lived in the house that my mom grew up in uh-huh. with my grandparents, her parents, uh, with her at the same time. So there was like three different generations. And on multiple occasions, I both felt, and then once I felt like I saw her, right. uh, the presence of my great-grandmother oh, nice. who lived in that house and in the bedroom that my younger sibling and I shared when we lived there. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely do believe in ghosts. That's like a soothing... Mm-hmm. My mom, or my mom's side of the family, has a lot of ghost experiences, but a lot of them are of family members that mm-hmm. have passed away. And again, it's not always like sightings, but it's either like a smell or oh yeah, a sound or a feeling or something like that. Even yeah. just like their energy, yeah, their, mm-hmm. their presence or their guidance being right. with you. I don't, I, I don't want to say I struggle with the concept of ghosts, but I feel like people are so out of touch with the concept of spirituality that's fair. that like ghosts are how they justify that generational connection or just right. th- the concept of like being in tune with your uh your heritage or your ancestry and, right. like knowing that those stories continue to exist within you and influence how your story progresses yeah um so i guess in a sense ghosts are some people's way of explaining that but yeah I don't, that's sort of my take on how i see them it's, is more like a spiritual aspect or, or guide. That's fair. I think the hard part is because of, I don't want to say just Hollywood, but like media in general mm-hmm. of what a ghost is mm-hmm. or what they classify as a ghost is, you know, either it's uh, somebody hidden in a sheet or, you know, mm-hmm. m- the multitude of iterations in horror movies, but it could be, I think it's up to interpretation. It's up to mm-hmm. each individual. It depends on, who it is, who you think is there with you, who, yeah, yeah, all of it. Cool. Do you know a lot about Salem, Massachusetts? I should know more, (laughs) but I, you know, I know what 
the media has told us and, right and yeah. the history of women having autonomy and then being accused of witchcraft <laughs> and then yes. murdered yep. but that's about it i don't have a deep uh deeper sense of knowledge so. gotcha no worries i didn't at first until i started doing this season because mm-hmm. like you it was kind of it's something you learn in school i guess or just research or movies or whatever um but I didn't realize that it wasn't just women who were accused and mm. prosecuted and murdered or executed, but there are men as well, and it's very messy. Oh, but wow. um, tonight we will be talking about the Salem Witch Trials. Okay. This is the first episode this season. I'm going to be spending a few episodes on the Salem Witch Trials because there were 20 people who died, and it's a big part of that community. But mm-hmm. tonight we will be discussing Bridget Bishop and Alice Parker. Okay. Because I do want to, like, I can't, I don't have enough time to cover all 20 <laughs> victims, unfortunately. Yeah. But I want to at least get as many in as I can. So we're going to cover both of those women tonight. Perfect. Just to touch briefly on what the trials are for people who may or may not know, um, the Salem Witch Trials were a series of court hearings of people accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts in 1692. More than 200 people were accused, 30 people were found guilty, and 20 were executed. And five others died in jail, either waiting for their trial or they were accused but weren't found guilty. But Salem was the hub of all the trials However, many people were arrested outside of Salem in nearby villages. All of the public executions also took place in Salem, though. The Salem Witch Trials are one of the most notorious cases of mass hysteria. And in 2016, the University of Virginia announced a team had discovered the execution location of the 19 victims and dedicated the space to the victims now called Proctor's Ledge Memorial. So that's a little brief history of the Salem Witch Trials. So we're taking back 1692. Okay. Which is before the United States was a country. So if you listen to the first episode of this season, I kind of go more into what was going on in the 1600s. But um, let's jump in with Bridget Bishop. All right. Bridget was born in England. And married her first husband in 1660. They had three children, but unfortunately her first husband, Samuel, died six years after their marriage. Hmm. She then married Thomas Oliver that same year. They had a daughter, but once again her husband died. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) It's a little suspicious at this point already, and we're not... She hasn't even sailed across the sea yet. (laughs) (laughs) She's already causing... Well, I don't want to blame her because we don't know for sure if she, if anything crazy has happened. But mm-hmm. both her first two husbands have died mysteriously. And uh, she was accused of murdering her second husband in England. I think they called it like... She was accused of bewitching him. Whatever 1600s like, term that means. Yeah. But... Uh, they didn't have enough evidence, so she was acquitted, and she didn't go to jail for that. Okay. And that's when she sailed over to America. 
So, again, it's 1600s. There's not a lot of written documentation or, you know, I don't know for sure if she went to America either because she wanted to start a new life or if she was running away from something. Yeah, it sounds a little like... Let me go to a new place where no one knows my history and maybe right. I can do this again. Yes. Sort of. <laughs> Let me try this all over again. Yeah, absolutely. So Third time's the charm, right? <laughs> you would think... <laughs> she did marry a third time. His name was Edward, and they got married while they were living in Salem. Some reports say she ran a tavern in Salem. However... Other people attribute the tavern to another woman called Sarah Bishop. Mm. So not Bridget, but Sarah ran the tavern. And then Bridget had her own land, which is very uncommon for the 1600s for Mm. an independent woman to own her own anything, (laughs) really. She owned an apple orchard. Oh, okay. As well as a house, um, a little like a few miles away from the apple orchard, which she rented out to tenants. Mm. I guess like the original Airbnb or something Sounds like, like that. Sounds like a girl boss. Yes. <laughs> we love her. She, uh, and again, this is all um, written accounts from other people, so it might be a little biased or mm-hmm. things like that, but she was known to dress provocatively. Okay. She would, um, she would buy lace and then bring it to other people in town and have the lace dyed bright colors and things like that, which very out of the norm at the time. She also didn't always follow the puritanical status quo. And that rubbed people the wrong way, of course. You know, they're all about the church at this point. Mm-hmm. Everything's based on religion and the Bible and all this other stuff. So if you... Religious freedom, yeah. Yeah. So if you don't go to church, or if you do, but then don't follow everything, you know, your pastor is saying, or whatever the case may be, people frown upon it in the 1600s. But uh, yeah, she was kind of an outcast. I don't really know how else to describe her. She liked to dance to the beat of her own drum, I guess. Wait, this uh, is still Bridget. Bridget, right? yeah, okay. Bridget. So where are her kids in the mix of all this? <laughs> See, I couldn't find any information about that. I was wondering the same thing. Did her... Ch- I think her children... Like, there was no mention of her children during any of this. So I'm going to assume they stayed in England while okay. she traveled overseas. All right. I know. Little... <laughs> okay. It's kind of hard because... Like, do you have a sister or a family that they were right. with? Or... I'm going gonna, gonna, to... I have to assume, yeah. Unless she, like, dropped him off at an orphanage and was like, I'm going to live my life in America, but... Is there, like, any record of the year she left and, like, how old her kids were? Like, the year that her children were born? Because maybe they were young enough that she could just drop them off at an orphanage and they wouldn't remember. So, she was... Fir- her first husband was 1660, so... It doesn't say when she exactly leaves, but mm. her second husband, she married in 1666... So her and then they had a kid, so she had four kids total. Right. So the first three kids are oldest six. Okay. By the time she's married to the second guy. And I don't think that lasted very long. So 
I'd say your kid, the oldest kid could potentially be around 10 when she All leaves. Right. So she had four kids. They somehow disappear. She moves to America and becomes an icon. Right. Okay. <laughs> With her third husband. Yes. Who apparently backs independent women, is all over her owning her own apple orchard. Like, we're into it. Okay. So yeah, it's hard because it's like, do we just ignore her past life and just kind of move on to this new Mm -hmm. independent woman, free world? Who knows? But yeah, that's where we're at right now. This is all before the trials even begin. Mm -hmm. She's living her best life. So on April 19th, 1692... Bridget was accused of bewitching five young girls, Abigail Williams, Anne Putnam Jr., Mercy Lewis, Mary Walcott, and Elizabeth Hubbard. And I'll get into them a little bit later. They all testify that the shape of Bridget pinched, choked, and bit the girls. So not Bridget herself, but like some kind of... apparition that looked like her. Right. Okay. One of the girls testified that Bridget's spirit threatened to drown her if she did not sign the devil's book. I don't know if she signed the book, but I'm going to assume she did if she wasn't drowned. Yeah, so. Can I get it at the library? <laughs> I'd love to read it sometimes. So. During the trial, anytime Bridget would look at one of the girls that accused her, they'd be like struck down. They'd like fall off their seat and like feign something. And only the touch of Bridget would revive them. So she'd have to, like, walk her ass over to these girls, touch them, and then they'd be like, oh, my God, I'm much better. Hmm. I'm, like, I'm already biased to this whole thing, and I'm trying not to be. Are we sure that, like, she wasn't just really pretty and all these girls, like, had a crush on her? You know what? like, wanted to be her? I'm sure they did. Dolly Parton always says that she based her whole entire like persona off of the you know sex workers and when she was growing up Mm -hmm. who's to say that these girls are like this independent woman who's wearing lace and dressing however she wants i mean she just sounds like a cool influencer yes (laughs) (laughs) so these five girls initially accused her but they weren't the only ones to accuse Mm -hmm. bridget of witchcraft There were accusations that the apparition of Bridget tore a woman's coat, that rag dolls with pins in them were found in the basement of her house, and that someone heard Bridget call the devil her god. Who's this someone? (laughs) It's a bunch of different people in the town. Okay. So each, each story is from somebody else. Yeah. A man named Richard Common accused Bridget of grabbing his and his wife's throats and ripping them, not ripping their throats, but ripping the people out of their bed at night, in the middle of the night. Even Bridget's husband, Edward, testified that she praised the devil. Hmm. So I think that's the one that kind of like... Like really hit the nail on the coffin. Yes, exactly. And it makes me question, okay, if she is a devil worshiper or, you know doesn't go to church or whatever and is kind of more in line with other things that doesn't mean she's appearing to people in other houses while she's at home you know it's it's Mm. it's a stretch but i can see in the 1600s why people freaked out about any kind of devil talk especially when again they're all about the church and the bible and stuff Mm -hmm. but okay 
Many others made statements that they were also being bewitched by Bishop. Not only the parents, but their children as well were being bewitched by her. There was another accusation that Bridget bewitched a family's pig they bought from Bridget. Excuse me, how do you bewitch a pig? Like, where is the basis for that allegation? Like, did the pig, like, attack someone? Well, they said the, the pig went deaf and blind after they bought the pig from her and continued to hit its head on the fence. Seems like just a malfunctioning pig. It sounds like a deaf and blind pig. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pig also wouldn't care for its babies and would race between Bridget's house and the new owner's house. Like, it would run back and forth. Hmm. Carrying secrets. (laughs) Yeah, it's telling Bridget of all her dirty secrets in the house. But it's like, if it's not feeding its young, maybe it's because it's deaf and blind and can't find its young, or, you know, things like that. Or if it gets let out of a gate, again, it's deaf and blind. It's going to run to the place that it's familiar with. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to put logic to something that's illogical, but... That's going to be this entire Everything's case. Everything's off the table. I mean, <laughs> it's the witch trials. You're right, you're right. So, because the pig was racing between Bridget's and the new owner's house, it's like, that's the that's the reasoning that they said Bridget bewitched the pig. Mm-hmm. Bridget wasn't the first person accused of witchcraft, but she was the first to hang for being a witch. Mm. And her hanging thus began what we know as the Salem witch trials. Where they're like, okay, if she's doing this, there's probably, you know, more going on. Right. And she wasn't the first accused, but I think because she was the one person in town that was, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. And her husband testifying kind of, like, sped along the process of the trial versus other people who were accused first. Yeah. And I imagine, like, the first person being hanged kind of emboldened other people to be like all right well something's been happening to me yes or you know maybe people starting or started to believe people who had come forward about something or right noticed quote witchcraft absolutely they're like okay wait now one person did this maybe we can revisit that or something absolutely yeah once you get the ball rolling it's mm-hmm. hard to make it stop for sure so Many of the people accused had long trials or spent time in jail, like I was saying, while people gathered evidence, quote-unquote. But Bridget was hanged only two months after she was accused. She was also the only person to hang by herself on June 10th, 1692. So they hanged her first, but she was also the only person to hang on that date, whereas when we get farther down the line... Like, seven people hang at once, four people hang at once type of deal. So before we get into Alice Parker, but I'm going to talk about some of the main accusers of the Salem Witch Trials and those five young women. So Bridget was accused in April, but the accusations all started back in January of 1692 when a doctor was called to Reverend Samuel Paris's house to examine his nine-year-old daughter, Betty Paris and his 11-year-old niece, Abigail Williams. So when this doctor was called and showed up, he witnessed these two girls convulsing, barking, and speaking unintelligible words. And when the doctor arrived, they accused 
The first person these two cousins accused was the enslaved woman working in the reverend's house, Tituba. Right. Okay. Yeah. No one's well, surprised. I know that name because yeah. a lot of voodoo priestess yes. like kind of herald Tituba as the like birth of American voodoo practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I, I will not say that that's <laughs> like actual facts, but I know that name yeah. from the very small amount of Salem witch lore that right. I have become acquainted with. Well, I think what's interesting about Tituba is that she never denied doing certain practices Mm -hmm. that weren't the church of england's practices um but obviously she's not claiming to be a witch or Mm -hmm. to putting a curse on these two young girls like she's just saying yes i do these practices but it has nothing to do with with you with those girls Yeah. yeah yeah so this is what initially started the salem witch trials i guess you could say is these two girls accusing their enslaved woman in the house so to me they're two young girls acting or just having fun they're just like goofing off and then finding a scapegoat right exactly when you know their dad comes in is like what the hell are you doing Mm -hmm. oh uh, i was yeah i mean to me that's not like two cousins Having fun, just like being silly, barking like dogs, and right. f- speaking in a fake language. Like right. kids still do that. Yes. Today, <laughs> look at Sims. <laughs> We're basing all everything off of the Sims games. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No. Um. Yeah, they're just make believe. It's all make believe. It's just having fun. They're nine and eleven. <laughs> so they're children. Right, but we're gonna take a nine and eleven year old over an enslaved woman's word of Mm. course so we don't hear much from betty after this because her parents sent her away to live with other family members so she wasn't stuck in the middle of all the craziness that was going on but abigail continued her accusations she accused around 57 people of witchcraft an 11 year old (laughs) and they all believed her Apparently, yeah. Okay, I'm, like, imagining, like, the quintessential, like, bitchy young toddler in a movie who, like, get, gets what she wants and, right. like, acts all sweet. And then as soon as, like, the adults pan away. Think, like, Angelica from Rugrats. Or, yes. Um, I was thinking... Uh, Salt. That's exactly yeah. who I was thinking. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She sounds like a little prissy girl who's like, well, it was witchcraft. I wasn't doing anything. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Okay, true Abigail. <laughs> I don't like her. No, no, no. <laughs> And to double down, too. Like, you had your one shot, and then Betty was sent away because her parents were like, we're not playing this game. Yeah. And then Abigail's like, no, I'm doubling down. And I'm, I'm going to play for two people now because my cousin left. Yes, and I'm going to accuse 57 people. It's insane. She's not the only accuser, though. Anne Putnam Jr. accused and testified against around 60 people. Anne Putnam is the only one that we know of that apologized for her actions after it was all over. She ended up with custody of her seven siblings after her parents died and wanted to... So, like, her parents died, she got custody of her seven children, and then after that, she was like, I want to join the church again. Like, 
I've been so far away from the Lord and Jesus and all this other stuff. I want to be back in that and part of that. And to do that, she had to like apologize for her actions and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so she apologized for all the sorrow and offense she caused, but it's like a little too late. (laughs) Like, yeah, baby, all these people overhang because of you, so. It's like, thank you, but no. Yeah. (laughs) So, so far these three girls came from well-known, powerful families in the community. But the next young lady, Elizabeth Hubbard, changes all that notion. She was an orphan who worked as a maid for the doctor who checked in on Abigail and Betty originally. Hmm. Elizabeth accused 29 people, 13 of which were executed. Elizabeth was known for going into trances in the courtroom. So, have you seen or heard of the play The Crucible? Yes, but I've never been in the audience for it. That's fair. (laughs) I was in it in high school, and it's just like reading all of this just screams... The playback because I think they use a lot of the same names that came from the original so it's like very accurate at least from my knowledge and all I picture are those scenes of the girls like pointing at strange things going to trances falling on the floor while mm-hmm. people are during the trials and while people are trying to defend themselves and it's like I can't imagine being in a space like that and just faking mm-hmm. all of that I mean People still do claim insanity when... That's true. They're not able to get off. That's true. Yeah, I did watch a documentary recently. Let me think about it. Yes. They absolutely are. I just watched a documentary where this guy was... He pretended to have multiple personality disorder to, like, get out... Like, an insanity defense to get Mm -hmm. out of things. So it's very similar in that aspect. So... The next young woman, Mary Wolcott, she was 16 at the time. Anne Putnam was her step-cousin through marriage. So no one was surprised when she became experiencing visions and afflictions. So most of these girls are related in some way or another. Just by like association or familial ties. Right. And like at the, you know, Salem at the time isn't, that big of a community like i'm sure everybody knows everybody everybody knows everybody's business Mm -hmm. that small town feel so all these young girls of course they know each other of course they're hanging out but the ages range from nine to i believe 20 that's like the age range we're talking about the accusers so while these girls would have fits in the courtroom mary would sit calmly and knit while these girls around her are like freaking out because they see something or they're on the floor because they're being looked at. She's just sitting there casually knitting while this is going on. 18 of the people she accused died. So either they were hanged or died in jail. She went on to get married. She had six kids and died at 77 years old. Wow. So she lived a lovely life after she after 18 people died because of her accusations. This is Mary. Yeah. Okay, any chance that, like, her knitting was, like, stealing life force from the people she accused and she was the actual witch? Maybe they were the witches. Yeah. It's very possible, honestly. Like a betrayal of the coven. 
Yeah, they were acting out in court because they were actually just cursing the people around them. Another to come from the Putnam house was their maid, 19-year-old Mercy Lewis, who lost both of her parents. After Anne had her initial affliction, Mercy began having similar symptoms. So again, we have cousins, we have a step-sibling, we have the doctor's daughter that came and checked in on her, and now we have a maid living in the house. Mm-hmm. She accused nine people, including a former employer of hers, Reverend George Burroughs. The last to round out the core accusers was 20-year-old Mary Warren, who is, for me, an interesting case. She was a servant of the proctors and initially showed signs of being bewitched. However, her symptoms disappeared when her employer, John Proctor, threatened to beat her if she didn't stop the nonsense. She went along with the ladies and then John was like, we're not playing this game. Okay. She's like, okay, okay. (laughs) But John Proctor was an outspoken critic of the trials. So after her symptoms went away, she was accused of witchcraft herself by the other young women. Mary accused the other girls of faking it, which sent the girls into severe fits in the courtroom. Not long after Mary, not long after that, Mary rejoined the girls and testified against her employer. So she's flip-flopping back and forth like crazy. She was afflicted, then she wasn't, then the girls accused her, now she is afflicted again, and now it's her employer that bewitched her. A lot of moving parts. Messy. (laughs) (laughs) She knew, she was the one that knew all about the lies, and... Being the oldest probably felt like a responsibility, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And she's watching all these people be hanged for their actions. So I understand why she flip-flopped. You know, it's this big part of, like, I feel obligated to tell the truth. But also, when I did tell the truth, I'm being attacked and then being accused. And everyone's believing these girls over me. So it's like, I might as well join them again to save my own life than that kind of mentality but it sucks and again I'm sure none of these girls at this point wanted to stop and fear that they would all be punished for what they did mm-hmm. so that brings us to Alice Parker the un, the other woman we're going to talk about tonight the main accuser of Alice was Mary Warren the 20 uh, year old we were just talking about at the time Alice was accused of May, May 12th, 1692. Mary was jailed for witchcraft. So like we were saying, she, she was flip-flopping. But at this point, she accused Alice. Mary was in jail for witchcraft. Mary claimed that Alice confided in her and that she sank a boat at sea killing a man and that Alice also drowned a boy in Salem Harbor. Mary also claimed Alice came to her in the jail and told Mary to stick pins in a poppet to torment others. Mm. So (laughs) this is where Mary's starting to flip a little bit. You know, she's not dumb. She's like, I'm in jail for something that's not real. I might as well figure out how to get out of it. it. So let's accuse this other poor woman. Is there any evidence of a boy being drowned at the Salem Harbor or none that I could find. Okay. No, 
out of anything during the Salem with Charles, I haven't found any evidence for any of it. It's all just hysteria. Yeah, it's all he said, she said, or she said, she said. But yeah. Mary also claimed Alice attended a witch's blood sacrament in the woods. She also blames Alice for the death of her mother. Mary blames Alice for the death of her mother. So Alice was married to a fisherman. So when he was away at work uh, in the sea, Alice sought help for the farm and other things that they had from other people in the community because she couldn't do it all herself. Mm-hmm. So Alice asked Mary Warren's father if he would help her do like heavy lifting and stuff like that. Uh, he denied causing Alice to storm over to their house and have an argument. So he's like, I have my own shit to take care of. I can't do it. And she's like, well, I can't do it myself. So they got into a huge argument. So shortly after Mary's mother and sister became ill and her mother died, leaving her sister deaf and mentally challenged. So how old was her sister? She was younger than Mary, so okay. she was probably, like, early Could have been, like, a trauma response. Right. So historians attribute the illness that her mother and her sister got to smallpox. Oh, okay. But at the time, Alice was the one that took the blame. So Mary, instead of being like, oh, it was a disease. Well, I mean, at the time, nobody knew what it was. Yeah. It was just a disease that's running rampant. She said, oh, they got in a fight, and Alice cursed my mom and sister. Right. Yeah. And now one's dead and of course not. or her dad hmm. who she's mad at yeah, yeah no so mary wasn't the only one to accuse alice of witchcraft of course john westgate said he witnessed alice storm into a tavern to confront her husband for drinking too much which okay <laughs> rightfully so john westgate tried to intervene in the argument but alice told him to mind his own business And when John was leaving the tavern later that night with his dog, he was stalked, he claims, he was stalked by the apparition of a huge hog. So once again, we have pig apparitions Mm -hmm. roaming about Salem, Massachusetts. So he thinks it was Alice causing this? Yes. But Bridget's the one that had the pig. (laughs) Yes. Something fishy's going on here. So he claimed Alice had sent this giant pig to attack John, but it wasn't just your average large hog. This pig had the face of Alice. So this apparition of a, a giant pig was pig body and face of Alice, which mm-hmm. is why he's accusing Alice of witchcraft. But in my mind, I'm like, if I'm bewitching somebody, why would I ever send my own body (laughs) yeah don't you want to remain like somewhat anonymous yes exactly well and what point in time was this happening like had someone already been hung this was no people have been accused this is just in the accusation right exactly samuel and sarah shattuck accused alice as well they accused alice and bridget so Mm. bridget bishop and alice parker of bewitching their son who had declining health seems like there's just a lot of like misunderstanding of science and just the natural world of like the concept of disease so everyone's like we don't understand this yet so you're a witch and you're killing my son who's sick because we have poor hygiene a (laughs) hundred percent yes 
That's exactly it. I was talking in the first episode about, you know, a lot of the indigenous people at that time also died of disease. Mm-hmm. And it's because Europeans Brought sailed on over. And mm-hmm. the main culprit was smallpox. Smallpox, influenza, and measles, I think, was the other mm-hmm. one. So, you're right. Lack of science. Lack of even wanting to understand what is going on and just pointing fingers because mm-hmm. they're all... Because there's tragedy, yeah. you know? Oh, let's not blame people for <laughs> unexplained occurrences. But uh, even the, uh, the reverend who had private conversations with Alice said he was afraid she was practicing witchcraft. So mm-hmm. even the reverend of the church was like, this girl's a witch. Well, I don't know. I don't. I never trust the church. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe there's a little bit of credence to his personal testament, but yeah, still. It's cringy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, aren't confessionals private? Why are you... Yeah. Well, so you're breaking your oath. Okay, you're practicing witchcraft too. Yes. <laughs> So Alice is thought to have had, and forgive me, I do not know how to pronounce this, um, catalepsy, which is a medical condition where the person may have like seizures Mm. followed by unconsciousness and loss of feeling in the body. So Alice, like at the time, nobody knew what this was, but nowadays that's what historians are believing Alice had. Because she would be found stiff on the ground, making many to believe she was dead. Until they would like bring her back to her house and then she would awake. Mm -hmm. In January of 1692, she was at like the beginning of all of this. She was found on the banks of the harbor and carried back to her home where she sat up and began to laugh. And this was the case that was used to accuse her of witchcraft because a lot of people believe that witches, you know, leave their bodies. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like she was meditating and just returned back to her body. Right, and that's what, you know, people at the time, or even today, people believe witches leave their bodies to go do their dirty work, and then they'll return to their bodies. Mm. Um, So that's what they believed at the time. They're like, oh, she was leaving her body to go bewitch somebody. And then we brought her back to her house and then she came back and she was laughing because she did something nefarious. Mm. Not evidence, but that's what she's accused of. Alice, of course, denied everything, uh, stating, quote, I know nothing of it. I never spoke a word to her in my life, unquote, and her meaning Mary. And Alice was hanged on September 9th, 1692. Uh, with seven others. Hmm. So, again, it's hard to say why any of this happened. And I'm sure it's far more complicated than we'll ever understand. But to me, a lot of it seems it's based in fear. Like you were saying, fear of disease or declining health or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Fear of... um. Like, well, I mean, we see today what people's fears are capable of. Yes. Or, you know, what their fear is capable of creating within their imagination. Oh, absolutely. Lack of understanding or just blatant ignorance will lead us to believing. So it, right. it's not shocking that any of this happened. Right. Yeah. It's just that it's the same thing that's happening now, but it that's the period's version of it. Absolutely. And I think that's a good way of putting it it's like 
it's the right time, right place, mm-hmm. and right atmosphere for something like this to happen. Like, like you were saying, it happens throughout centuries and decades and stuff like that. It just manifests in different ways mm-hmm. because not everything quite lines up like yeah. it did in 1692 <laughs> when people are afraid of the devil, you know, yeah. like, like deathly afraid of the devil. But also fear of, like, being accused by others. Like, mm-hmm. to get out of being accused by this random person, I'm going to accuse somebody. That kind of mentality. Exactly, yeah. And but I'm sure... There's no, like, concrete evidence. It's not like there's right. pictures or videos. Yeah. <laughs> or even, like, written testimony, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of it... Uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but I'm sure some of it had to do with greed as well. You know, yeah. a lot of it back then is uh, greed... Or wanting other people's land. Yeah. I was going to say, who's a landowner? Who's yeah. in with the church? Who has a spot at the, yeah. the local public school? Who can help my kid get a job? That sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Very nepotistic. Yeah. But I just think it's like odd to think that it all started from a couple of preteens. Yeah. <laughs> just. Who were probably bored and they were like, oh my God, look at what we did. <laughs> 1600s? I do bored shit too. Yeah. Like. Absolutely. Rolling a fucking wheel in the dirt road in the backyard. I do not blame these girls. I blame them for accusing 60 plus people, but not for having fun. So we're going to take a quick break, grab a drink, grab a snack, and don't accuse people of things they didn't do. Simple as that. And we'll be right back. Okay, we are back to talk about some ghosts. And we've already touched on a bit with like witches and spirits and sending spirits of themselves or of pigs, I guess. Um, Or people's bedrooms or in a courtroom or whatever the case may be. Um, But... There's, I didn't even say this in the story, but there's a story of uh, someone who walked into, not the courtroom itself, but one of the other rooms in the building, and they apparently witnessed a levitating log, like a piece mm-hmm. of wood was levitating through the room. And they were like, oh my God, Bridget casted a spell because she's like, she just had a like part of her trial and then she left and now there's a levitating log or something like that. So, so naturally it was her naturally it was her (laughs) so um most of the buildings that were around during the trials are long gone for i mean it was 1692 like Mm -hmm. forever ago so when we think of haunted places in salem we're talking more like modern locations that sit on the land that had the I don't want to say the trial because it wasn't just the trials, but other Little courtrooms or homes right. of people. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah. the hanging site. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for example, there's Turner's Seafood Restaurant, which looks like a lovely place to go eat, but uh, it's located in Lyceum Hall, and that sits on what used to be Bridget Bishop's Apple Orchard. Mm, okay. Lyceum Hall was built in 1831 to serve as an amphitheater 
and many famous people came and lectured in the building. But its most notable alum was Alexander Graham Bell, who placed the first telephone call in 1877 in that building. Wow. Which is fun. Okay. Well, where, where did he call if that was the first phone? <laughs> I'm assuming he had a phone like set up in his house or something okay. like that, probably. But yeah, I, th- I think it's hilarious that it's in like Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah. Though, I mean, I guess it is like a suburb of Boston. So the Boston area at that time was... Mm-hmm. The hub. Right, exactly. But it's just, yeah, Salem, Massachusetts, first telephone call. But unfortunately, that uh, Lyceum Hall and stuff, it all burned down in 1894. It was quickly rebuilt, but with brick instead of wood. Mm -hmm. Smart move. And after the rebuild, it hosted all kinds of businesses like the Colonial Cafe, Lyceum Bar and Grill, and now Turner's Seafood. So... People have seen all kinds of ghostly activity in this building. I think the most notable is a woman in a long, flowing white dress. We always get women in white. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe one day I'll find out. Well, if but it's Bridget, why is she not wearing lace? Maybe she is. Maybe it's a long, white, lacy... Okay. You know? But it's not dyed. You're right. It's yeah. not dyed. So, <laughs> uh, she's she appears at the top of the main staircase all the time. She's also been seen in windows and mirrors. And the mirror thing, I think, would freak me out. That is, like, I don't get scared. Like, horror movies don't scare me. Like, I don't get generally scared. But every so often when a mirror, you know, on a cabinet door or on the back of a door when it closes mm-hmm. and you see a reflection, it's always like, is somebody going to be standing behind me? I know, me? I literally, like, I'm getting the chills <laughs> just thinking about that concept. It's That's usually when things in horror movies scare me, too. Yes. And then they turn around and there's nothing there. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Terrifying. So to see, like, a woman in, like, white and flowing stuff like that in a mirror, no thank yeah. you. <laughs> so... <laughs> An employee at one of the restaurants in the building was walking up the stairs one night and came face to face with her apparition. And she thought it was another person at first who was in an area that they shouldn't have been. You know, it's like she got startled because she's like, oh, you shouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. Um, But when she looked closer, she said the person didn't look right. And she immediately like ran back downstairs and like almost fainted. So... She said the apparition was dressed in white and had a 17th century clothing on. So it could be Bridget. Who's to say? But on one occasion, one of the credit card machines printed out a receipt that said good morning, even though the machine wasn't set up to print those words. So is that someone pulling a prank? Is it? I don't know. (laughs) It's like, I, regardless, it's like, that'd be weird if yeah. you like come in one day and it's like, why? I mean, I would totally do that if I worked there and I had the knowledge to yes. pull a small prank like that, yes. and, you know, given the site that I would be on. But <laughs> well, but then there's also a part of me that's like, this is kind of hollowed. Maybe we shouldn't play. Right. Because it's a very serious thing happened. That's true. So who's to say? Yeah. Yeah. When I was working at a cafe that... I experienced weird things and everyone claimed it's haunted. Uh, everyone is very respectful. They're all just like, yep, we're going about our business. We know this thing, this could person or whatever. This spirit exists. 
we're just going to treat it mm. accordingly. <laughs> we're not going to fuck around at, at all. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this was a prank or not, but it'd be creepy regardless. There are many photos of people appearing in windows or having their hands pressed against glass. So, either in photos, you'll see a full-on apparition or just see, like, handprints or something like mm-hmm. that in windows. But uh, you can also hear strange noises or voices as well as footsteps, which is also very common in Turner Seafood. All in this restaurant. Yes. <laughs> There's also been a sighting of a chair moving on its own. And I've said this so many times on this podcast. Any physical thing that happens would terrify me. A chair moving, something being thrown across the room. Mm -hmm. Hearing something, seeing something. But then there's nothing there. Right, is one thing. But then something physically moving or showing up somewhere else that it wasn't before, that would send me off. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my god. No, 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 that was my roommate. He just finished work. <laughs> no, it's but okay. That was like uncanny. Wow, I cannot believe that that just happened. That's so funny. <laughs> um, many have fainted while inside the building. Mm. Others smell apple blossoms, and I found apples oddly lying about. Just like random apple. Yes. Again. Drag name random apple. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's a good one. <laughs> Uh, one Halloween, a group that practices Wicca conducted a circle in the building trying to reach the Greek goddess of magic and necromancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you pronounce her name Hecate. Hecate, yeah. Yeah. As well as trying to reach Bridget Bishop. And instead, they reached a ghost girl named Annabelle. Conjuring. Yes. Right. <laughs> Others have seen the girl in Reflections and in a photo that shows the girl with long wavy hair similar to the girl from The Ring, which I thought was... I don't need to see anybody looking like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Items have been thrown about on their own, according to employees, and they all say it's in a mean-spirited way. So, like, someone is trying to injure them. Mm. But, yeah, that's uh, Bridget's Apple Orchard. (laughs) To me, it sounds like Bridget is trying to get people to remember what happened to her. Yeah. And she's not at rest because of right. that. I don't know. That's my initial reaction to and that her reasoning very well. for what had happened. Yeah. And I've, this is something I truly believe in is that like if people who are murdered don't find justice, that's like a huge reason for them to stay Mm -hmm. or their spirit to stay is because they never got justice for their death so nobody in the uh, salem witch trials were ever arrested so uh, nobody got justice at all so i wouldn't be surprised if that had some sort of effect Mm -hmm. but um okay so alice parker the tavern she sent her ghostly pig is now a movie theater called Cinema Salem. In 1913, many entertainment houses were active and thriving in that area, and they were known for their uh, vaudeville performances. But due to the Great Depression, most of them closed and were either torn down or, again, burned down. And the building that now 
houses Cinema Salem. It once was called USA Cinema. It was a Lowe's at one point. Mm. Uh, it was a Salem flick. But now it's a three-screen art house. So... A common ghost in the building is the man in black. He wears Victorian-style clothing and likes to smoke and watch movies in Theater 3. And a former manager was working in the projection room and spotted someone sitting in the theater. And there wasn't a moving pl- a movie playing, so he was like, I need to escort them out. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, But by the time he got downstairs to the theater, the person was gone and nobody was there. Mm-hmm. He, from the projection room looking down, he said the guy looked middle-aged and was wearing dress coattails and was all in black. So another employee has been pushed in the projection room and then pushed down the stairs away from the projection room. Hearing these stories, like, I, I hate to interrupt, but no, yeah. I'm literally, like, my body's covering shows and I'm, like, about to cry for just so no reason. I don't know why if I like feel moved or just like taken over by just like the concept of a, a spirit. It could be any of yeah. I'm it, not like bone chilling, but yeah. I'm definitely like. Ooh, okay. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're almost done. So no, no, no. It's not a, like I can't bear this anyway. It's yeah, just yeah. like wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is insane. To me. <laughs> well, I think it helps because I've had people on that don't believe in ghosts, so it's for mm-hmm. them. It's like. They're like, okay, cool. Right. <laughs> but for people like you and I who do and have experienced and stuff like that, it, it hits different for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, this woman was in the projection room. She was pushed. And then when she was leaving the projection room, she was almost like pushed down the stairs. Oh, my God. Um, Like she was being kicked out of the projection room. Keys go missing regularly. And they've been found in like locked rooms. So they've found the keys in like a locked co- uh, cabinet before, things like that. And lights turn on and off by themselves, which is a classic mm-hmm. ghost thing. And uh, people have had their shoulders tapped as if people are trying to get by them. So this one man told a story about he like was tapped on the shoulder while he was doing something. So he stepped to the side. And then when nobody passed him, he turned around and nobody was there type of thing. So yeah. That's kind of the general hauntings that have gone on in these two locations in Salem. Um, Is there any connection between like the characters or experiences and Alice? I don't. Is it just simply that the location was I that tavern? I think it's just the location okay. was the tavern. Um, I do go more in, in future episodes. I will be covering other uh, areas that Alice was and stuff. Okay. Um, so we might get more out of that but i just want to focus on these two locations today the one could be bridget especially if she's dressed in 17th century clothing but again it's like 1692 so much has happened since Mm -hmm. then you know we have a little girl in the same location we have a man in black in the theater you know i wonder if he's like one of the reverends or something right Mm -hmm. exactly like so many different instances could be at play here many different deaths could be at play here so would you visit salem would i absolutely yeah yeah i think it would be so fun i'd love to visit salem i went to uh new orleans while on a choir tour in college and it was the year that american horror story coven came out of course (laughs) naturally me and my two best friends at the time were obsessed with the show and 
we wore all black and did a, like walking haunted yeah. tour. We <laughs> went to Marie, Marie Laveau's voodoo yeah. shop, went to the piers and there was like all this fog. It was just, it was insane. I love that. Yeah, so I would totally go to Salem. Yeah. yeah. I did a walking haunted tour in New Orleans as well. Mm-hmm. And the halfway stop was like a bar that you could like grab a drink or whatever. And while we were in there, it just, it was like a downpour. Mm. it was it would not stop raining it was thundering lightning and the tour guide was like well you can hang out here and continue to drink if you want or i'm gonna finish the rest of the tour so if you want to join me you can so like the second half we were just drenched oh my god but it was fun to like hear some of these stories while it's like thundering and lightning Mm -hmm. and pouring and stuff like that do you have like an umbrella (laughs) oh my god soaked <laughs> but it was fun it was a fun experience and it's new orleans so it's hot all the time so yeah. it wasn't like a bad like a uncomfortable wet right i was just like i'm just wet it's warm but i'm wet yeah. <laughs> but uh you were saying you were having you've had paranormal experiences mm-hmm. do you have any specific other than just like feeling family members um not as vivid as like running into an apparition right or um you know like random objects appearing but definitely like i didn't turn these lights on sort of thing right or, um like chairs moving or floorboards creaking when no one else is home gotcha that sort of thing you know because my grandparents built the house that we lived in right they were the, you know the first people that lived in that home and so it was older, it was built in the, I believe, the 1950s. Okay. Um, and, you know, they never redid the floors or anything. So it was, like, 2011 when I was living there. Right. Um, so that those sort of occurrences were what was really common. But I don't know. I feel my own sense of spirituality hasn't, like, led me to necessarily, like, need messages from right. the past. Because I'm, like, already conscious of, like, you know my past and my family's history being able to influence how i navigate through my current life right um so but if there are any ghosts out there who (laughs) feel like i'm not listening hard enough give me a sign (laughs) tap me on the shoulder (laughs) um i haven't had any here but i feel like i so i live with my younger sibling the one that i shared a room with and i feel like they have said that they've had some paranormal activity in this building. Right. Um, and this is a really old, like, Edgewater Brownstone from, yeah. like, you know, early 1900s, if not before then. Right. Um, so I would not be surprised if there was any unfinished business in this building or in this neighborhood. Yeah. But I have not personally experienced it yet. Yes. Like on Marvel. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I was, uh, on Thanksgiving, I was talking to my grandma, and she lived in the house that her mother owned. So I was very young, so I vaguely remember this house, Mm -hmm. but her mom owned it originally and then she moved into it after her mom passed away. But her mom's hospital bed was in the dining room. And after she passed away, my grandma would like walk downstairs and the lights would be on Mm -hmm. in the dining room. And she'd walk over, turn the lights off, go back upstairs, and again, the lights are turned on. So, and she's living there alone, so it's like, she's like, I didn't feel like 
threatened in any way or anything was malicious or anything. She's like, I really felt like it was my mom saying, everything's cool. Yeah. We're good. Um, I'm here. So she did feel like it was her mom in, yeah. in the room. But still, like, regardless of who it is, knowing that you turn lights off and, and you're and the only person in the house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, could, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> But uh, thank you so much for being here, Tommy. Well, thank you for, for asking me to, to talk about witches and ghosts. Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Anytime. You can follow Haunted Hometowns on Instagram for photos related to the episode, guest information, and upcoming news. If you can't get enough of home, Haunted Hometowns, check out the Patreon that has exclusive content released once a month. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast to your friends, family, and coworkers. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like me to read on the podcast, email me at hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com. It can be anything from alphabet noodles arranging themselves to say hey to waking up in a different time period. Let me know. And Tommy, let them know where they can listen and find you. Oh, right. We didn't really talk about it because it no. was not important <laughs> for the subject at hand, but I am a musician um, and spirituality and mythology uh, definitely influences my art and i just put out a new album you can find me on all social media at tommy bravos and find me on bandcamp and spotify and apple music if you want to listen to uh, listen to my mystical work <laughs> perfect and of course i'll tag you on instagram and all the mm-hmm. social media so they can find you and uh, join me next week for more witches and ghosts because everyone loves a ghost story The music is by Tyre. Follow him on Instagram at For Boys Like Me. That's F O R Boys Like Me. The artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M U N O Z. I got my information from Wikipedia, History Channel, Salem Witch Museum, Wicked Salem by Sam Baltrusis, and Salem Ghosts. <laughs>